is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 65, for Monday, January 16th, 2011. It's been almost a month since we've been on the air recording an episode, and I'm, I gotta say, I really, really missed doing this. I'm glad we're back. Oh yeah, it's been uh, way too long. It was really nice hearing that intro after uh, such a break. It was it really got my, uh, my blood going. Really got you back in the mood. Back in the mood to and record. Now it's episode 65. Really, is it 65? It's 65. Now that's not a, an enormous number considering the time we've been doing this, which it, is over two years now. It's a retirement number, though. Well, it, it, I suppose it is, yeah. Yeah, you know, you retire anytime after 65. But we're not stopping. We're not stopping. No way, I'm not ready to retire. Not yet. We have lots of more stuff to do. They're going to have to push me into forced retirement, hopefully with a nice package. <laughs> retirement <laughs> could, package. I'll use a nice package gold, once in a while. Gold watch. There you go. That'd be great. Gold watch is what you need. Um, all right, so let's... Uh, we have, we've got a huge show this week. We've got a bunch of listener feedback. We've got some Walking Dead news. We're going to talk about both Walking Dead board games. So we have all kinds of stuff going on. Um, but before we do any of that, I just want to say something really quickly, and that is uh, I'd like to extend a huge thank you out to all of our listeners and just say that you guys rule. You guys are the best. We, you know, we were, we were off the air for about a month. We had um, we had a bunch of people on our Facebook page, kind of asking when we were coming back and saying they miss us and Aww. saying how how uh, you know they want us back to on the air to record more shows, and uh, it really really made me happy. Well, it that's really nice. it really made me feel good. So I just wanted to say big thank you to all our listeners. I don't think I said that before the holidays last time we recorded. So I hope everyone had a great holiday, whatever it is you celebrate, some time off and. Uh, you know, hopefully everything is going really well for you, and thanks for listening. Yeah, spend some time with some friends and family. Exactly. And then come on back and listen about uh, the dead walking around and biting people and stuff. <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> so there you go. That's that's <clears throat> out there. You guys are the best, and uh, we appreciate you listening. We do. <clears throat> very, very much. All right. Let's get into the listener feedback. Listener feedback. Alrighty, so the first thing I want to talk about is our last episode was the review of Rise of the Governor, mm -hmm. and one of the questions we had for the world was the pronunciation of the word foyer in places other than Canada. Oh yeah. And we had a bunch of people post or post comments or post on the Facebook page or even just email in um, with the answer to that question, and apparently in the U.S. people do in fact pronounce it foyer. Oh, okay. So there you go. That's fine. So now we know, and uh, it, I won't let it bother me anymore. Well, yeah, up, up here in Canada, we pronounce it foyer. I embrace the differences. It's what makes uh, it what it's what makes us all interesting. It it really does, right? Foyer, it is foyer. Foyer from here on in, it's foyer. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so there you go. Thanks to everyone who wrote in about that. It's uh, it's good to know. Now we got an email from Jason on Rise of the Governor, and his. Email subject is, Rise of the Governor was meant to be read. And he said in the email, when a book is read to you, it is about storytelling, i.e., and then what happened? There were three zombies. He killed them with an axe, then got his brother. 
When a comic book writer, who normally has detailed pictures to provide context to every word or speechless frame, writes a book, he fills the book with detail. I read the book in complete silence for hours. Whenever he would get excessive with details, the mind will make connections that will let you see and hear the story as if it was in slow motion. After reading the book, I couldn't stand the audiobook. Rise of the Governor, 9 out of 10. Hmm. So he's saying there's a huge difference between reading it, reading it, and listening to it, reading it. Oh, the performance is very <clears throat> important in an audiobook. It is very, and that's what, uh, you know, a lot of the issues I had with the book uh, could very well be attributed to the performance of the uh, the reader. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. Just just him kind of overdoing it at times. Yeah, I mean, well, it's just uh, it's it's the problems that I had could very well just be the reader, and if I had uh, had the time to actually sit down and read the book, I may have enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I I would tend to think that the excessive. Uh, descriptive nature of the thing would kind of bug me in either case, but but maybe not. Maybe when you're kind of reading it in your own mind, you you know you put your own spin on it a little bit, right? And you yeah. you imagine your own sort of look and scenario. I've had problems with uh, you know reading novels as well, where you just you read something and the line is so blatantly bad, horribly structured that you just take the look, you actually say out loud, "What the hell?" <laughs> I had a problem with the uh, Tech War by William Shatner. <clears throat> with that, it's just the writing. Uh, he had ghostwriters, but you could tell when William Shatner was writing because it's just like, <laughs> "Geez, Bill, what the hell?" <laughs> Jeez. You have ghostwriters for a reason. Use them. <laughs> yeah. At least get an editing program to check for spelling. All right. That's, that's the bare minimum. Spelling, eh? He had spelling problems? There was, well, there, most books have spelling issues. Well, there's usually one or two in a book, but, yeah. you know, what? there's a lot of words in there. I, I blame Bill personally for, for a lot of those issues. I would. Have you heard his recent cover of um, Bohemian Rhapsody? Wow. Uh, well, you know, at this point, he's doing things on purpose. Why no? But you know he's he has made a career out of being a big kook. My God, is brilliantly. Yeah, yeah, but it's bad. Yeah, but that's okay because it's William Shatner. I guess so. I don't know. Everything that man touches turns to gold. I swear to God. (laughs) Now he's worked up to that. No, no, uh, T.J. Hooker was awesome. I don't know about that. I think he hasn't gotten the Midas touch until later in his career. No way, man. You remember? You still remember that uh, uh, the Twilight Zone episode that he was in? That's true. That the, he was uh, like twenty years old when he did that. Terror at twenty thousand feet. That's right, or whatever. Yeah. Well, that's but that's not good because he was in it. That's good because it was the Twilight Zone and it was uh, Rod Serling, and the Twilight Zone's amazing. Yeah, but he's also he's got the magic touch just in knowing what to do as well. Uh, okay, right? maybe. everything you know, even the bad stuff is good by William Shatner. Isn't he from Ottawa or something like that? He, Montreal, yeah, Montreal. There you go. All righty, speaks uh, fluent French. No, still. Oh yeah, he grew up in Montreal. He speaks French, but man. <laughs> <laughs> He speaks French, man, man. Uh, well, I'd like to. <laughs> I think you, man. He is a Frenchman. <laughs> Francophone. Yeah. Hey, it's all. It's all good. Hey, Shatner, if you want to come on the show and prove that you speak French, we'll do it. That'd be great. I don't speak <laughs> French. I live in Canada. No, not even a little bit. Not okay, little. a little bit. I uh, yeah, a little bit. I got my vocabulary, but I can't say any sentences. Anyhow, we got a call um, from Dan in Florida about Shane reloading, and this is something we talked about for the midseason finale right, right, right. and how many shots he fired. So um, I think you went back and looked, and you yeah. said there's no sh- shots of him reloading. No, but there was lots of cutaways where he had a chance to reload. Well, here's what sh- uh, here's what Dan in Florida had to say. 
Hey, this is Dan from Florida. Um, heard you guys' podcast. You were talking about uh, Shane and uh, reloading during the barn scene. Uh, just figured I'd let you know that with a lot of the polymer handguns that police uh, carry around, I own one myself, although it's, it's not a Glock like he carries, they have uh, high-capacity magazines, so they can carry quite a few rounds without reloading. Um, I have one that contains 20 rounds, and the, the little 9-millimeter bullets that a lot of the Glock guys use uh, tend to be very high capacity. Uh, there's actually long clips that can be bought for them that can contain as many as 33 rounds, and uh, while he didn't have one of those, he could have had a good uh, 15, I think it's 15 plus 1 for that gun. Um, I just figured I'd let you guys know uh, it's not really out of the realm of reality for him to not have to reload and fire that many rounds. Thanks. Bye. So there you go. It's Makes within sense. the realm of possibility that he could have that many rounds in his gun. We got a couple of <clears throat> a couple of listeners uh, writing in about that. Do you know what he means by 15 plus one? One in the in the chamber? That's right. Or the, or the pipe? Always keep one in the chamber. Right. So Especially there's... in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> there you go. Um, so what's that 15 to 18 he said or something yeah something like that but you get any more capacity than that than the uh the the magazine starts sticking out of the bottom of the uh uh, uh, pistol grip right that sounds unsafe to me for some reason well i mean it's not unsafe per se it's just you know you're holding this gun with this uh with this magazine that's sticking you know 18 inches below the uh, the pistol grip it's just like uh, it looks weird (laughs) and i would think it might even be harder to sort of keep the gun steady because the the weight is all off I'm just saying, I don't don't know know either. Um, Mark from New Jersey wrote in uh, on the same topic, but he also went on to explain that the thing that holds bullets is called a magazine, not a clip. Right. You should always call it a magazine, he said. And uh, he said that Shane's gun very well well could have had that many bullets in it. Um, I mentioned that because he also had something to say about uh, when we were talking last time about the FCC in the U.S. and how they regulate their TV shows, um, and he had this to say about that. Hey, guys, this is Mark from New Jersey in the States. Uh, just want to let you know I enjoy your show. Just listen to the last podcast after the post-mid-season uh, finale. A couple of things I just wanted to give you some information about. Uh, first, uh, you were talking about the FCC, which is our federal communications uh, branch of the government, the reason that they don't have jurisdiction over this particular show is it is not broadcast television. They only controlled uh, the decency uh, rules for broadcast TV. But in this case, A&E is cable. Um, so that's why they're really not uh, having jurisdiction over that. By A&E, he means AMC, of course. Right, yeah, I see. <clears throat> but uh, that's, the, that's the deal, apparently. They, they don't... Um regulate the cable channels in the u.s well i know you can get away with a lot more in cable channels and that makes perfect sense but i thought amc was broadcasting this and i guess well, it doesn't fall under broadcast regulation. the difference is broadcast i i think is that broadcast has an over-the-air broadcast whereas cable channels don't oh, same as in canada you right. know you can get cbc and all those over the air but some of the specialty channels you don't Right. Like TSN, the sports network, for example. Right. It's on cable, but it still has commercials and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. Um, but in, he, in in this country, the CRTC, which is our version of the FCC, does regulate anything that broadcasts no matter what. Right. If I'm not mistaken. And I don't think I am. Right? Well, the, like, well, I have no idea. Like TSN has to, is governed just as much by 
uh, or say much music, for example, is governed right. just as much by the CRTC as CBC or, or CTV or any right. of those um, any of those regular networks. Yeah. And there's a big difference here in in Canada between like what we call cable, I think, and what they call cable in the U.S. Um, all of the major networks in the states, ABC, NBC, Fox, and uh, and what's the other one? CBS and CBS are are the broadcast networks. The rest are cable. Right here, it doesn't and work. Fox that way is here. not even really a network. <laughs> Fox, I don't think it's a full network. I think it's uh, one of those specialty kind of networky type channels, but I'm not sure it's it's a full broadcast network. No, I think it's a broadcast network. You know, know, they moved into hardcore pornography so slowly that I didn't even notice the change. <laughs> now, the only thing, I, the only example I have uh, of you know having the, uh, the CRTC control. Uh, stuff that's on on cable in Canada is much music. Every they used to do this too much for much thing. You ever see one of those where they mm-hmm. uh, they a lot of times they don't play videos because they're just they're way too much to put on the air. But every once in a while they'll say you know at eleven o'clock at night on a Friday they'll go okay we're gonna play some videos now and uh, you know fewer discretion advised these are pretty hardcore and so they'll display them at that point or you know play them and sometimes they even then it's like I can't do it I, I just can't you know stomach putting this on the air. So I think the uh, the CRTC has a tighter control over everything in Canada than uh, than the the, the FCC in, in the states. Well, I, that's the feeling I get, anyways. I mean, I know they certainly regulate anything broadcast on TV or radio. Right. Um, they don't. And the internet. Well, yes and no. I mean, they don't have the same control over the internet. Of thankfully, yeah. <laughs> um, we but, still have problems getting content. But there are regulations that they have imposed, uh, and they do have some jurisdiction over Canadian ISPs, which is bad. Well, whose fault opinion. is it that we can't watch American TV on websites <clears throat> like the CB? We go to CBS.com. We can't watch those shows. Is that the CRTC or is that the FCC? Uh, you know, I'm not sure about yeah. that. I, I think it's know. the CRTC. It, it, well, if I was going to blame anyone, I would say CRTC, but it could actually be the network. They have licensing deals for content they produce for one region and not another. Right. Right. So, you know, HBO, if you go to HBO.com, you can't do anything here. But if you go to HBO, the Canadian site.ca, I guess, uh, you can. Right. So I don't know. It's the way they structure their content deals, but it probably also has something to do with the CRTC because they would have to approve any content distribution deal in this country. Yeah, they want to have their palms greased as well. We generally get <clears throat> hosed by the CRTC. Generally, yeah. So that's how I feel about them. Okay, uh, another call. Jason in Pennsylvania on why uh, on Otis and Shane's little mission there to get um, get medicine for Carl. No one seems to mention it, but this was... You know, with the whole in the whole walkers in a barn kind of kind of storyline, that Otis was the guy that was doing it. He was the guy that was gathering up these zombies before he was kind of offed by Shane. But no one really mentions the fact that during that whole sequence, when they went to go get the get the medicine, that you know he's he's shooting them up with the best of them. I mean, he's uh, he's uh, he's walking along with 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 Shane, just just blowing brains away. Um, you know what? Where, where's he going? Is he just respecting Herschel's wishes? Is is he? Does he not care if he doesn't know the zombie? Then it's, you know, it's dead to him. Huh? And uh, I, I don't know. Just want to know what you guys think about that. And uh, once again, thanks. And we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. So Otis went with Shane, perfectly willing to shoot every zombie he saw, you know, in the back of the head. But 
he's supposed to be kind of with um, Herschel and his whole non-killing policy. Right. So what's the deal with that? Well, I think that uh, I think Otis was respecting Herschel's wishes, and I think that uh, he was offing people he didn't know or offing people that Herschel didn't know. You know what? And I think he also probably felt very, very guilty about shooting Carl and was willing to do what it, anything he needed to do to help. Or, you know, he finally took the reins off, and he's like, okay, now I can start shooting these things. <laughs> That's true. Instead of having to round them up. Herschel's not here. Yeah. I'm going to have some fun. Yeah. <laughs> for a little while, anyway. <laughs> for, yeah, for a little while. Huh. You know, what goes around comes around, I yeah, guess. I guess so. Um, you know, and related to this, and this this might be a bigger, bigger conversation to have at some point, but... Um, we all know that Herschel, I mean, uh, Otis was the one who was wrangling the zombies into the barn. And that's right. apparently why nobody in Herschel's camp on the farm knew that Sophia was in that barn. Right. Um, but, you know, so if, if Otis knew, now his wife, Patricia, was the one feeding them. She was going in there every day or whatever to throw chickens in so they could eat. She didn't see Sophia in there? There was not a lot of... Oh, I know what you mean now. Okay, so I was just going to say there wasn't a lot of time between them showing up at the farm and Otis and Shane going off to, uh, you know, get, to get the medicine. But, you know, maybe she, maybe she was just throwing the food in. I guess, uh, you know, if uh, uh, Sophia was a lurker, you know, she's hiding in a corner or something. Yeah, but she came out last. She's not really, you know, a, one of those aggressive zombies. She came out, you know, dead last. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, I was thinking there was, what, it was a couple of days. Um, how long was Sophia missing before they got to the farm? One day? No, there was a night there someplace. So Maybe a couple of days. A couple of days. And so she showed up at the farm during that time period. When they arrived, Otis immediately left with Shane, pretty yeah. much. And, of course, everyone was panicking about Carl's. They didn't really talk about it. But then there was probably three or four days before um, the barn scene where she was going in at least once that we saw. Yeah. But I'm going to assume every single day to throw those chickens in there, but didn't see Sophia. I guess she was just hiding in a corner. All right. If you were feeding zombies... Uh, chickens with their legs broken. Would you watch? So would they squawk? Yeah, would you watch? W yeah. Or would you just, you know, kind of huck them over a wall and get the hell out of there? That's a good point, I, too. I wouldn't watch. Yeah. I don't know if I could, you know, pour a bucket of slop into a bin and watch pigs eat, you know? <laughs> and I like pigs. <laughs> at least they, at least they taste good. Exactly. Uh, but you don't want to watch them eat. I'm not going to watch them eat. It is a little bit nasty. And I'm not going to watch him, you know, throw, you know, if you throw a live animal in with pigs, depending on the pigs, pigs will eat the live animal. No, pigs don't eat live animals. Oh, I'm sure they would. Well, maybe if they're starving. They or eat human beings starving. if they're starving. Yeah, if they're, you know, you break their leg and they can't move. They're not great hunters, I wouldn't think, but uh, they would, they eat whatever. You ever watched a cow eat? No. I don't like the way cows chew. But they, they they grind. <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't like it. I don't like the way their lips kind of flap together, and, and I don't know, it bothers me. Yeah. I, got, I got weird things about some animals eating. You know all that all those stories about, uh, uh, you know, methane from cows causing green the greenhouse effect? Yes. It's from their burping, not from their farting, <laughs> just so you know. Oh, well, they do. Don't they regurgitate their food three or four times they, while they're eating it? Yeah, they outgas a lot. <laughs> Well, uh, you know what? I don't blame them for that. It's just the way they are. Well, they're cows. They're out in the field. What are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. You got to burp? You got to burp. <laughs> I suppose. If I was in a field and I had to burp, I'd burp. You would. Of course, you wouldn't be eating so much grass and waiting to get slaughtered or milked. 
Well, not that I know of. <laughs> milked. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to think about that. No, they do that themselves now. Cows don't milk themselves. Well, they go into the... the there's a uh, machine. There's a whole thing. This, the cows, when they feel like they're ready to be milked, they'll go into the barn and then go through the milking process. There's no people involved anymore. The machines are a little bit rough, though, I hear, right? Well, the machines are... they, they How do I know this? They clean the cow, <laughs> and then they put the they self-adhere themselves, and then they <laughs> extract all the milk, and then they clean the udder again, and then they clean the, the, the devices, and there's it's all automated. The cows are just... You know, they go in themselves. You don't have to... They don't grab the cow and bring it in. The cows know full well when their udders are full and they're ready to be milked. And at least they're cleaned. <laughs> yeah, it's all clean. It's all sterile. The cows <laughs> like it. The people like it. The machines like it, I guess. I don't see why not. <sighs> Finally, uh, David from North Carolina wrote an email to us on Carl and guns. This is something we talked about, I don't know, a couple episodes ago when Carl was doing some gun training. Mm-hmm. David says, I grew up in Alabama right next to Georgia. Still, I'm in no way a gun nut. <laughs> I don't own one. And in fact, I think I've only fired one once or twice in my 33 years. Personally, I think you folks in Canada have the right idea when it comes to gun control. All that said, he continues, you can't tell me in the event of an actual zombie apocalypse, you wouldn't arm yourself to the teeth and moreover, teach anyone old enough to make responsible decisions with a gun and how to handle one for their own safety. Not that I necessarily agree that Carl fits into that category, but it's kind of beside the point. I think even the most anti-gun person out there would quickly become the last man or woman on earth types if their family's survival depended on it. Absolutely. I guess I, so. I agree with him. Like, And knowing that uh, you know, Carl's not too young to learn safe <clears throat> handling. Like from the the listener feedback we've we've received, mm-hmm. you know, twelve years old, uh, learning how to handle a gun is a lot better than not teaching them anything and then being curious because a twelve oh, yeah. year old could get into anything. Absolutely, you're right. We had a, a listener write in previously to tell us that kids that young or even younger are given gun training in certain places. So, or at least gun safety training. <clears throat> yeah, at least safety training. That's yeah. right. You know, you might not need to learn how to shoot one right away, but at least understand that they're dangerous. Right. Right. <clears throat> All right. And definitely don't get the advanced class where you're, you know, yelled, <laughs> not at, not at 12 <laughs> where you're yelled at and, uh, you know, forced to fire under pressure because when the zombies are coming, you're going to be under pressure. Yes, you are. All right. Thanks everyone for writing or calling in. If you want to have, if you have any questions or comments, you can contact us too. Uh, stick around for the end of the show. We'll give you all our contact details. All right. Now it's time for The Walking Dead News. Time for The Walking Dead News. So the first item in the news this week is all about this uh, big idea that Frank Darabont had for the season two premiere. Mm hmm. So most of the information I am about to relate comes from the recent Walking Dead panel at the Television Critics Association. Okay. I think this is something that, something they do every year. So here's the deal. I've got a whole bunch of information here that I'm going to try and run through really quickly. So um, Ain't It Cool News reported first that uh, Frank Darabont had a whole concept for the first episode of season two that was a little bit different Um almost like a one-off episode that told a story related to what was going on in the show, right. but from a different angle and involving different characters primarily mm. than our, our, our um, main cast of characters here. So here's the deal. It was going to follow a squad of army rangers who get trapped in Atlanta and try to survive as the city falls. 
And I got a couple of quotes from Frank Darabont here in his uh, in his message on ain'titcoolnews.com. He said, the idea was to do this with a very focused, you are there documentary feel, not going all shaky cam, but still making a bit rawer and grainier than the rest of the show. We'd start with a squad of maybe seven or eight soldiers being dropped into the city by chopper. They have map coordinates they need to get to, and we follow this group from the moment the copter sets down. <laughs> copter? <laughs> well, why not? All they have to do is travel maybe a dozen blocks, a simple journey, but what starts as a no-brainer scenario goes from, quote, the city is being secured to, quote, holy shit, we've lost control, the world is ending. <laughs> He goes on, along the way, I thought we could briefly dovetail this story with a few established characters from the show. Not to overdo that, mind you, because it could get silly and too coincidental if you load too much into that idea. But I thought it would be great to veer off on a quick narrative detour that brushes our soldiers briefly up against some people we know. Picture our squad arriving at a manned barricade where some civilians are being held back from leaving the city. It's a panicked, high-intensity scene, and the crowd is desperate. Um... In, and the crowd of desperate people, we find Andrea and Amy. The barricade gunners panic. The civilians start to get mowed down by machine gun fire. And in this melee, the girls get pulled to safety by some old guy they've never even known. It's Dale. Right. So um, eventually, all the soldiers are dead, and the lead character crawls into a tank for safety, but ultimately dies. Frank Darabont says, The kicker comes in the last moments of this episode. After the soldier dies, this squalid, lonely death in the tank... And after a quiet lapse of time, we do a shot-for-shot reprise from the first episode of the first season. Rick comes scrambling into the tank to escape the horde, blows that zombie soldier's brains out. Now Rick's trapped. Fade out the end. Right. So what do you think? It sounds like it would have been a pretty cool episode. I'm glad they didn't do it. Are you? I think that it, uh, you know, having an episode that is mostly comprised of unknown characters would have been disjointed and a little... uh, uh, would have been jarring. You think so? I think so. I think it would have been very difficult to do. I think you're probably right, and especially at the beginning of the second season, after we've only had six episodes. Uh, yes, that's a that's another very good point. Is that uh, you know the beginning of the season would be like, what the hell is this? I was watching this show about these survivors, and now I got this squad of people, and now they're all dead. What's going on? Yeah, I kind of agree. Like, it's a really cool idea, and it sounds like a cool episode, but you might need to do it the beginning of season three or later on when we're more comfortable with our characters and our storyline a little bit. I think he's coming from a, a movie point of view and not a TV show point of view. A little bit. You know, he's not thinking of this as a second season. He was thinking of this as a sequel, right? Yeah, this is like Black Hawk Down, but... <laughs> Yeah, but it's, in the Walking Dead universe, you know, it's the same universe. It's just it's a sequel. You have some of the same characters. You have some new characters, a different plot line. You're not following the same, uh, you know, the same overall arc. <clears throat> so, uh, no, I, I don't think this would have been a good idea. It's a great idea for a movie. Yes, and I think it's a great idea for a webisode or a series of webisodes. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because when this news originally came out, um, people were under the impression that this was going to be webisodes. Right. That got canceled because Frank Darabont was removed from the show. Right. But then he wrote this clarification letter to Ain't It Cool and said, no, 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 this was our idea for the first uh, season two episode coming back. You, you think this is what got everybody's nose out of joint? Well, here's what Glenn Mazzara had to say about it. He said, we all responded to it. It was one of the many ideas in the writer's room. It felt like business too far away from our core characters. It was it, it, it all happened under Frank's stewardship when he was showrunner that we moved off that storyline. It was never written. It was never budgeted. It felt like a stall. We have a lot of ideas like that. It's just the nature of TV. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So he said that, like, it did come up. We talked about it. We debated it. 
um, but it never got off the ground, and that all happened while Frank was still working on the show as showrunner. Right. It's not like they didn't like it, they fired him, and then they canceled this right. kind of thing. Okay, well, that makes sense. I mean, even in my work where you're developing applications, uh, you know, whether it be internet or what have you, uh, you spitball ideas, you come up with things, you go down a path, you try it, you do a proof of concept, you figure it out, nah, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You go a different direction, you move on. You don't get fired and <laughs> canned because you went down the wrong uh, wrong path. No, exactly. I mean, all, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that in the writer's room for this show, all ideas are welcome. That's, that's true. Because you need, you know, you sometimes you can get the best idea by taking little pieces from all of them sort of thing, right? So. I heard a, a story. There was a guy, I, you know, this is going to be one of those. There was this guy telling the story about this thing, and it was really good. <laughs> <clears throat> there was a, a guy, a Canadian guy that was talking, I forget where, but he was saying uh, he got hired as a writer for The Simpsons. And he was down there, and uh, he would write, you know, whatever. He would write episodes and submit them, and they would get rejected. And he'd write episodes, and he'd submit them, and they'd get rejected. And he was feeling really bad about himself. Yet every time he walked down the halls, he would run into somebody. It's like, they would say, you know, you're doing a really great job. This is fantastic, you know. Keep up the good work. And it's like, what do you mean good work? Everybody's rejecting everything I'm doing. But the nature of the business is that if you're submitting good ideas and you continue to submit good ideas, you're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Eventually one of them's going to get picked up and that's what happened part of his episode eventually got picked up and he felt a little more empowered and uh, good about himself but uh, you know even the bad ideas are welcome or you know even like i said bits and pieces here and there might get picked up maybe not something as a whole but right you know a little bit might get into the show at some point so um just one last thing on this story the soldier in the tank was played by a guy named sam witwer who really is an established actor, and he's known for, I looked him up, he's known for a lot more than just extra roles. Right. Where he sits there and doesn't move and has no lines. And then gets shot. <clears throat> and then gets shot. He played Crashdown in 11 episodes of Battlestar Galactica. Do you remember Crashdown? I do remember Crashdown. I can't believe I didn't recognize him. Sam Witwer, that was him. He was in Smallville, uh, the Star Wars Clone Wars show. He's on Being Human, and he had a recurring role on Dexter. So he's been in a... In a bunch of stuff. Oh, man. And I think he was in The Mist. He's a he's a friend of Frank Darabont. So the interesting part is they hired this guy for that scene in the pilot episode knowing, or at least Frank Darabont had the idea back then, thinking, I want to do something with this soldier, so we're going to hire a guy who can actually act, not just somebody who can sit there and be a zombie. Oh, that's great. So What was his name? Sam Witwer. W-I-T-W-E-R. So pretty cool. Pretty cool, I say. But like you said, kind of glad they didn't do it just because it would be a little disjointed. Oh, I know I, I know you and I could handle it, but the, the mass sort of public might be like, what the hell is this? All right. I just looked him up on IMDb and uh, <clears throat> I loaded up a picture and, it, and I recognized him instantly. Oh, that's him. Right. And it just happens to be the picture of him with his shirt off. Well, you would recognize guys with their shirts off. Well, I mean, it happened in Battlestar, <clears throat> right? <laughs> they took the shirts off. They did. Uh, Jamie Bamber, he was uh, he was one uh, muscly dude. Starbuck didn't take it off nearly enough, though. Well, then he got fat, and then he got fit again. <coughs> it was oh, a fat suit. that's right. He got <laughs> he got fat. Uh, fat. Um, that was awesome. God, what was his name on the show? Uh, Apollo. Yes, Fat Apollo. Oh man, he, <laughs> that was a great show. Okay, next item in the news: Robert Kirkman on Zombie Speed. This also comes from the Television Critics Arts Association, uh, and this 
quote comes from an Entertainment Weekly article. It says, There are rules about how fast a zombie will move and whether a person who dies will then turn into a zombie. The writers know these rules, but you're not necessarily supposed to. It's something we're very mindful of, said the comic book creator's Robert Kirkman. The speed in which you uh, turn into a zombie is based on your physical health at the time of death. While it does seem... Uh, while it does seem to be somewhat random, we are paying attention to that. As for zombie resurrection rules, those remain to be seen in the show. Also, zombies in Season 2 aren't getting faster than zombies in Season 1, though they might sometimes seem that way. They get whipped into a frenzy if there's a meal close by, producers ex- uh, explain. Right. So, there you go. Zombies aren't supposed to be faster than they were in Season 1, which right. they sort of seem to be. They sort of seem to be. But it does seem very um, subjective. You know, if uh, if your characters are injured and going slow, the zombies go slow. Right. Or if they can run really fast, the zombies go faster. But That's like racing games. That's right. In some racing games, uh, you know, no matter how fast you go, the other cars keep up with you. The NPCs always keep up with you. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, but the, other, the interesting thing here, I thought, is the speed at which you turn into a zombie is based on your physical health at the time of death. So really healthy people turn into zombies faster? I would imagine slower. Well, Amy turned into a zombie pretty quick. Took her hours. Took her 12 hours more. No. All overnight. She got killed in the evening. She didn't turn into a zombie until it was light the next day. Oh, yeah. So at least probably 12 hours. <clears throat> and I would imagine she was young and healthy. All right, then. So just one of those rules. Um, finally, there's more information uh, from the panel. And Glenn Mazzara was asked about what caused, what caused the zombie outbreak. And he had, he had an interesting answer. He told this to therap.com. He said, internally, we don't know where the zombie outbreak started, how to cure it, or anything like that. Uh, we haven't really discussed it. We're more interested in the continuing storylines. He said, this show is about characters and about them trying to stay alive, hold on to their humanity, find a safe place, hopefully rebuild civilization. They're under incredible duress. It doesn't feel right that they would have those answers. And even if they did have those answers... What would they do with them? I agree. The, the writers of the show don't know or care what caused the zombie outbreak. I, I absolutely agree. I don't think they should know or care. I don't <laughs> think it's part of the, the story. Like no, even, it's not. Even uh, <clears throat> even the uh, the initial zombie outbreak is not part of the story. Like They're slowly telling it in, uh, in flashbacks, but uh, in the graphic novels... You know, it started with uh, with Rick waking up, and it was already ha- it already happened, mm-hmm. right? Like, okay, this has already happened. Mm-hmm. I don't care about that, you know. And it's ongoing. I don't know. I don't care what the source is or what the the reasons are for all this stuff. This is happening, and this is the story we're telling. Yeah, well, that's the same in the show. Rick wakes up, and it's already happened. We get flashbacks to before the outbreak, right? But not. <clears throat> Some during the initial phase of it, like Shane in the hospital going to try and get Rick. Right. Uh, but but no reasons are given. It's just reacting to panic or reacting to, you know, horrible situations. And I like that. That's The story really is not is about <clears throat> the survivors, not about the zombie apocalypse. So nobody should feel bad that these writers don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and they by know that, what and, they're doing. <laughs> I know. I know. So... Ultimately, we're not going to find out what caused the zombie outbreak, even though they kind of hinted at it a little bit in the CDC episode. From they the last did. Season. That was the most information we ever got on and the, the cause or the source. Probably ever will get, I'm going to say at this point. Well, there's that helicopter at the beginning, too. I still want to know where that helicopter's coming from. Uh, I don't think it was a mirage. Yeah, I don't know. But that's not that's not the cause of the outbreak. That's just something that was going on in, yeah. in Atlanta still. Somebody knows something. 
And I think we want to know what they know. It's true. We'll find that out. I hope. If they, I don't know. They, they'll probably go back to that helicopter someday. Or something similar. Yeah, something similar. Another helicopter will show up. Or they'll do something like in uh, 28 Days Later, where they, uh, or is it 28 Weeks Later? I forget. Where they find the military people, mm-hmm. but they're all messed up and screwed up mentally and, you know, trying to take over. And they, That's 28 Days, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, more on something like that later. Before that, though, season three, here's some exciting news okay. for you. I don't, right. know if you. I don't know if you know this. AMC announced that season three will be 16 episodes. Hooray! That's a lot. We've gone up from six to 13, 13? to 16. Nice. They're, they're, you know, if they keep this up, they're going to be approaching like regular cable TV show Levels of 22, 23 soon. Well, cable TV shows are probably going to come down to 16, 18 pretty soon. <laughs> Actually, true. They might meet in the middle there. Yeah. Um, so 16 episodes. It means we'll have lots of... Other parts of the world think we're crazy for having 22 episodes in a season, you know. Really? It's just like, get to the point already. What do you do brambling around with all these episodes? Yeah. You got so much time on your hands that you really don't need to actually tell stories. The Brits will do six and be done with yeah, it, you know? six. And it's like, well, that, that was great. Awesome. Thank you. And I'm like, no, a little more, please. <laughs> I think 12 is the perfect number. I think 12... Uh, episodes gives you a nice arc to tell a really decent story. It is. And if you're not watching them, like if you're watching them on DVD or something, you can watch 12 in a week if you really try. A weekend. Well, a weekend, yes. Not when you have kids like I do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you watch... can eat through a whole, uh, on a whole ser- British series in a weekend. <laughs> eat through, eh? But yeah, Downton Abbey. And we got watch through, it. We got through the first weekend, first uh, season in the, in the first weekend. That was great. Well, see, we couldn't do that. But, you know, watching <clears throat> one or two episodes a night, you could watch 12 in a week if you oh, really yeah. tried, right? So it's, it's, it's great. But The Walking Dead Season 3 will be 16. 16 is good. So we'll have lots of Lost. material to podcast about. Lost did 16 in their last three seasons didn't they uh, i think they did yeah and it didn't bother me at all no that's a decent story arc. <clears throat> and we that... weren't even doing a podcast about no, lost we weren't. <laughs> i listened to a lot though oh yeah uh so the season apparently will be split into two halves again and no premiere date has been been announced but you know what i'm going to say it right here i'm officially announcing that the season three walking dead premiere will be in october of 2012 they sure will as long as the uh the <clears throat> mid-season premiere doesn't happen in october of 2013 <laughs> as long as that's yeah i don't want that to happen oh, it's, it's only it's gonna be 16 episodes in one season over three years yes that's not good but if they're gonna do the same thing they're gonna go from october into december yeah take you know two months off till february and then run to april or whatever april may that's great i think that's perfect i'm on board i could use it you know i'd like the break in the middle <clears throat> of the uh, middle of the season it's not so bad. I mean, I could use a slightly shorter break. Like, if the damn Super Bowl wasn't in the way, they could be coming back, like, this week or next week, and I'd be really excited about it. You know, a lot of people like the Super Bowl. I hear. I hear that, yeah. <laughs> One or two, eh? Yeah. Uh, okay, so Jax Pacific is a company that creates creates video games, and they are making a Walking Dead Deluxe plug-and-play TV game. Plug and play. Well, here's from their press release at CES, which just wrapped up this week. The Walking Dead Deluxe TV games from Jack's uh, from Jack's brings to life the show's action with a realistic pump and shoot shotgun controller, <laughs> multiple levels of zombie adventures, and a variety of game modes. As with all of Jax's TV games titles, the controller simply plugs into the AV jacks of any standard TV and contains multiple games in each controller, and no additional consoles or software 
are needed. It will be released this fall. And we've gone back to the 80s. We have. <laughs> I didn't know things like this still existed. Well, of course they do. <clears throat> it just there's a there's a flash on the screen and the uh, the actual uh, the visual reader is in the shotgun, not mm-hmm. in the TV. Yeah, I know. So that's actually the way the Wii works. Uh, no, the Wii is a console. You the Wii is a console, but you, when you're pointing at the uh, at the at the TV and you see the little finger on the thing, uh-huh. the infrared uh, transmitter is at the TV. The controller you're holding is a receiver. Right. Okay. So it's it's not like a remote control where you're holding the transmitter and the TV is a receiver. It's the other way around. Okay. Well, so be it. But I just didn't know these like games in a controller thing still existed. Well, they because... don't. They're making them up now. <clears throat> it's crazy. But I don't know. Maybe it'll be fun. I'm I... telling you, mullets are coming back. <laughs> mullets and acid wash. You I, look. I'm gonna grow look my on the street. I'm growing my mullet right now. Um, as a side note, while we're talking about Walking Dead video games, um, you remember Telltale Games? They were doing a Walking Dead game. Uh, supposedly. Yeah, well, uh, it's kind of fallen off the radar. And when I was at New York Comic Con all the way back in October, there was supposed to be a panel that got canceled at the last minute. Right, well, right, right. Uh, now, apparently the game has been delayed until sometime in 2012. That would be this year, but no more specific information is available. Oh. Their website currently lists it as coming soon. Yeah, it's done. Well, that's not done, but it's obviously some sort of serious holdup because it was supposed to be released in the fall of last year. Yeah, I guess uh, they missed their deadlines. I guess so. So we'll keep looking for info on that and let you let you know if we find any because I'm looking forward to that one. Me I kinda, too. I wanted to play it. Kind of want to play it exactly. <clears throat> Okay, next item: Triumph of the Walking Dead. Jason, you've ever heard of this? Uh, well, for about. Two hours now, I've known it of its existence. It is a book. It's called Triumph of the Walking Dead, subtitled Robert Kirkman's Zombie Epic on Page and Screen. This is something I came across by accident while I was browsing Amazon one day. And I'm like, hey, what is that? I've never heard of that. And it is an unauthorized collection of essays about the Walking Dead, edited by James Louder and published by Smart Pop Books. Essays by who? Uh, Kyle William Bishop, Arnold T. Bloomberg, Jay Bonansinga, we know him. We do. Um, any other names I recognize? Uh, no. But if, you know, I'm, I'm not up on my sci-fi or horror writers, so there could be other people in here that, that you recognize. Now, I've read the first two essays. Right. And they're okay. They're, they're interesting. I haven't gotten too deep into the book. There's probably, you know, 12 or 15 in here, so there's a lot more to go. But I just wanted to mention it because I don't think a lot of people have, have found this or have seen it anywhere. So if you're looking for... Like, what are the essays about? Well... Like what, what, why put a collection of essays from people into a book and then publish it? Uh, a cash grab. Yeah, I'm just... P- piggybacking off of The Walking Dead success. Now, I, I, to be, in all fairness, I can't really say that you know in much seriousness because although that was kind of my first thought when I saw this, and when you look at some of the other books published by Smart Pop, it's all anthologies uh, or analysis of other properties like Batman Unauthorized, Boarding the Enterprise, Farscape Forever, Five Seasons of Angel, Fringe Science, all about TV shows, comic right. book stuff, you know, other anthologies edited by this guy, um, uh, The Best of All Flesh. I don't know what that means. Uh, Curse of the Full Moon. So I don't know what those are, but there's 
you know, I don't think this guy's ever written his own book. He's right. just put together anthologies. So, okay, so what uh, we, you and me and Dave, and we could solicit other people online to write a collection of essays, and then we bind it in a book and sell it on Amazon, and we make a million dollars? I don't see why not. Sounds fair. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the essays are just about The Walking Dead. One is called The Pathos of The Walking Dead. Another one's called Take Me to Your Leader. So they look at the characters. They look at why it's successful. You know, what about it makes it different? How it relates back to, you know, the pop culture history of zombies, things like that. Right. Um, and none of it was approved by Robert Kirkman. But, you know, as I get deeper into it, maybe there'll be something interesting uh, interesting in here. The first essay, the first two that I've read have been mildly interesting, nothing too revolutionary in there. The first one was all about how um, The Walking Dead succeeds because it's about the characters and they have depth. Ooh. Pretty much. So <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, there's nothing that we haven't really thought of before, but, you know, it's it kind of puts it down on paper in front of you in case you needed it uh, succinctly, right? you know, presented to you in that kind of easy-to-digest format. Oh, that's fair. So if you want to find it, go on Amazon, search for Triumph of the Walking Dead, and uh, let us know what you think if you, uh, if you pick it up. Finally, in the news this week, we have a couple of upcoming episode titles. We know that episode number eight is called Nebraska. Nebraska. Number nine will be called Trigger Finger. Oh. And number 10 is Miles Out. M-Y-L-E-S? Nope, M-I-L-E-S. Because if it's Miles Out, it means you've exposed yourself you're again. out nobody get wants that <laughs> wrote a whole episode to get rid of me <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> well you should you i would feel honored if that was the case that'd be great i'd be dancing in the aisles i'd pick whatever aisle i could find and dancing and dancing it so trigger finger and miles out um trigger finger could mean anything well i mean i know what a trigger finger is but who knows how that applies to the episode miles out sounds like somebody has left the farm and is miles away or uh you know, Morgan is coming. I mean, <laughs> How do you figure that? I don't know, because he's on the radio, and he's like, I'm, you know, 40 miles out, here I come. That's true. That's I like that. I like that. I think it's Morgan coming. Yeah. Or somebody's coming. Someone contacts him on the radio and says, yeah, we're 40 miles out, be ready. Something like that. Yeah. Or maybe it's uh, sort of like, remember in Lost when they got the, got the radio, and there was uh, the boat just offshore with the helicopter, and the helicopter was coming? <clears throat> mm-hmm. It's very similar. Could what be something like that. Oh, the helicopter. Right, 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 right. She parachuted off down to the island. She right? parachuted down to the island and then uh and then they got a hold of her for radio and then I, I forget exactly what happened, but that's when all the other people showed up. That's true. All the other group of other people. <laughs> the other others. The more other people. Uh so anyways, t uh episodes um eleven, twelve, and thirteen haven't been titled yet, anyway according to IMDB anyways, but uh nine and ten have, so let the speculation begin. Okay, Jason, that is it for the news, if you can believe it. Wow, that's a lot of news. There's a lot of news. We've still got a lot of podcasts to come. Like I said, this is a jam-packed show. We've got lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, after this quick break, we are going to talk about both Walking Dead board games mm -hmm. that we tried over the holidays. So I don't know if we'll have a lot to say about them, but we're bound to have something. Yep. And every time I say we don't have a lot to say, we end up talking for like three hours. We can so. babble with the best of them, I think. We sure can. Before we do that, though, I need to thank our sponsor for this week, and it's a new one joining The Talking Dead, and that is Ring Central. Ring Central delivers all the power of a sophisticated phone system, but with no hardware to buy and nothing to maintain. Ring Central takes the cost and hassle out of communications, allowing entrepreneurs to focus on growing their business. 
We use Ring Central for our toll-free number, mm-hmm. which is one eight six six four eight three ZOMB. It's for a bargain. It's a it's a vanity. I almost said it's a zombie number. It's a zombie number. It's a vanity number. You can choose your own. Try to get a number that spells something or spells your name or whatever you want. Um, Ring Central has plans starting as low as nine ninety nine per month. And if you head over to TalkingDeadPodcast.com and click on the Ring Central banner that you'll see on the right-hand side of the page, you can sign up for your free trial and get 40% off your first three months. Sounds great. So it's a heck of a deal. I highly recommend everyone go try it and uh, let us know what you think. Okay, The Walking Dead board games. Yeah, here we go. So over the holidays, there are two board games, and we tried them both. We did. The TV version of the game mm-hmm. and the comic version of the game which one do you want to talk about first i think we should talk about the comic one no the uh, the tv one first that's the first one we played yes yeah we'll do it in order played a few couple of games yeah it'll help my brain keep them straight yeah <laughs> it was like a month ago it was um so the tv version uh jason describe for the people the playing mechanic or goals of the tv version of the walking dead board game if you can well uh very briefly and very at a, at a high level the game is sort of like uh sorry but uh, with zombies. So you basically, you start off in the center, and mm-hmm. the idea is to uh, sort of, sorry, crossed with Trivial Pursuit. The idea I is... I was thinking Trivial Pursuit myself. Right. So you, you have to get to the corners, the four corners, uh-huh. and then there's cards to collect the corners. So you're, you're basically, you roll a die, and then you go one, two, three, four, and then uh, you try and get to all four corners. If you get to all four corners and then back to the center, you win. Mm-hmm. Is that that sounds right? That's it. And Neither as, of us won, so uh, it's hard to say you, <laughs> exactly what the winning criteria is. You're the first person to collect each corner, like collect or successfully collect the cards. It's not, is it a card? Or yeah, just it's a successfully card. complete the challenges to to secure that corner. Well, every time you hit, every time you stop, you have to succeed at a challenge, right. of some kind. So, and it's usually, uh, you know, you have to. Uh, there's a zombie, and you have to beat the zombie, mm-hmm. or you die. Right, and then uh, once you get to the corner, you get a card at the corner, and that gives you a bonus to survivability. They were called encounters, right? So you roll the die, you move three spots or whatever, and you have to uh, you're engaged in an encounter. You draw an encounter card and just complete the task that's on it, right? And that, like you said, usually involves fighting zombies or sometimes other stuff, right? Um, so you and I played we just sure did. the two of us. We Twice. had two games. Yep. neither of Neither game lasted that long. No, we died pretty quick. And when you die, you become a zombie and you actually fight against the other players. Yes. Interesting in this game, you can play as a zombie. If you are killed, you are, the game isn't over for you necessarily. Um, the game is over when either all characters have become zombies because at that point you're not trying to collect the corners anymore. Yeah. Um, or somebody wins. Or somebody wins. Yeah, right. exactly. So both games that we played, we both became zombies pretty quick. After collecting maybe one corner? Yeah, the first game, we both collected a corner. Yeah. And the second game, you only collected one, and I became a zombie. That's right. <laughs> and then you di- and then I died. And then it changes the dynamic of the game, because once I became a zombie, I'm no longer worried about the corners. I'm going after you That's right. to try and do it. Now, I think part of our problem is there was only two of us. I think that may be, yeah. You need four players for this. Otherwise... Um, Otherwise, you know, as soon as somebody becomes a zombie, the game is practically over anyways. Now, doesn't it say that this game is uh, from, yeah, number of players, one to four? There was a, a um, solitaire version of the game. Yeah, I haven't, I never tried that. <laughs> I don't know, all these weeks and you didn't try playing no, it by I yourself? No, I didn't try playing a solitaire version of this game. Well, 
Um, my feeling on this game is I did have fun with it. Like I, I kind of enjoyed learning how to play it and and um, and actually learning the games. It just didn't work with two players. No, I don't think it does. It it was far too difficult to complete the encounters. You know, we did complete some, but then you get an encounter where, um, what yeah. was the harder one? You have to roll a six. Just to survive. Yeah. Like you, on, a, on a six-sided die, you have to roll a six. It's yeah. so hard. You you can play you can play cards to augment your roll. Right. Um, add add values to it or something like that. But there were times where you you had to roll more than a six. You had to roll an eight or a ten by adding up the values on the dice. Right. But uh, which the, is impossible. <laughs> the rules of the game are: if you roll a six, you win, no matter no what. matter what. That's true. So uh, the whole yeah, you have this card. You pull up the encounter card. The encounter says, uh, you know, horde. You have to fight a horde of zombies. Your target is ten, and you're like, okay, well, I have uh, two baseball bats and a shotgun and a crossbow, so that gives me a plus four, and I have to get a ten, so I have to roll a six. Like, okay. The chances of rolling a six are, you know, one in six, which is really hard. <laughs> which is really hard. Um, but it, a lot of a lot of times we came across scenarios where you have to roll an eight or a ten. Um, you have one or two cards that give you, say, a plus one or a plus two. Yeah. So you cannot actually roll that eight or ten. It's phys- it's actually impossible to do it. Right. The only way to complete that challenge is roll the auto win, which is a six. Right. Which is just too difficult. Yes. Um. And you would you'd have encounter after encounter after encounter just like that. Mm-hmm. So even if you you know pulled a rabbit out of a hat and rolled a six once, doing that again the next time you move two spaces makes it increasingly hard to do. Yeah. And the chances of actually winning before you can get to all four corners in a two-player game seems to me impossible. It is. And the reason I think that more players would help is that... Winning encounters or sometimes the encounter cards just involve um, getting new cards or taking cards from other players or even giving cards to other players. Yeah. So with more players in the game, there'd be sort of more an exchange of encounter cards or whatever they were called that you could use to adjust your roles. Right. <clears throat> with just the two of us, it didn't really work that well. But that said, it was fun. And I could see how it would be a little bit more fun, especially good. if you had maybe three characters, a living and one zombie yeah there's also a team play option that we never really explored it's hard to play team games when there's only two people it really is it really is okay i'm on my own team yeah um so we don't i can't really say anything about the teams whether it would be easier or not but uh, our experience was that it was pretty pretty tough and we never got more than one corner each that's right before the game was over so uh there you go so the comic version that's right um it's a little different. It is. It's a lot different in that it's not a board like Trivial Pursuit. It is a big open map, and you can go anywhere you want. Mm-hmm. Now, the ultimate goal in some ways is the same because you're trying to secure three locations. That's right. They're not corners of the board, but they're three random locations on the map, and you roll the die to move. Uh, do you roll the die to move? Or do you always move three? Uh, you always move three or less spaces. Three or less spaces. And every time you land on a space, or every time you leave a space, you leave zombies behind. Right. So the board gets tighter and tighter with zombies. Yeah, And presumably up. gets harder and harder. Um, I had I had more, well, I liked this one a little bit better, I think. I liked it better, too. <clears throat> uh, 
There was more involved. You had uh, this card where you're trying to collect ammo and food, or ammo and food and, and gas. gas, right? So that you could get around the board. Ammo helped you fight the zombies, but was loud, so you'd always have more zombies than when you. Uh, when you left, and uh, the gas helped you zoom through zombies, mm-hmm. and the uh, the food was for eating, or, uh, you know, not dying. Yeah, the food was, if you lost a fight with a zombie, you weren't necessarily dead. You just sort of take some health damage, and the food was for regaining that health. That's right. And so you also had had people with you. Yes. Like you, uh, you collected followers, and if somebody died, the follower always died, which yeah. I thought was kind of mean, really. I'm I'm the survivor, and the only reason I'm collecting you schmucks is that uh, when the zombies attack and somebody needs to die, I get to point at one of you, and away you go. Right, but it's a good gameplay mechanic, I think, because better than the TV version of the game, where if you die, you die. Right. Here, you, you create a group. Those followers provide bonuses, too, because they have their own skills That's and right. things like that, mm-hmm. so they can help you do certain things in the game right. as well. You're trying to um, roll hats. That's right. The, dice, hats. the dice had hats on them. <laughs> hats or zombie heads. Or guns or something. Or something, yeah. yeah. Um, but th- this one was more fun. Now, uh, what happened in this one? You did end up dying, right? I did die. And therefore, Pretty... it only left me and the game was over. Yeah, that's right. Even though neither of us secured the three locations. Right. You're supposed to scout the three locations and find a good place to to live. Right, exactly. Um, and one more thing that kind of made it fun is that each player has a secret location. Mm-hmm. So there are, say, 10 on the map, which is the board, and there are two known locations and Three. one secret. Three known locations. And one secret. And one secret. And you have to do two of the known and one of the You just have secrets. to do three. You can do okay. your own or you can do uh, the ones on, on the board that Got everybody it. else is trying to do. So other players don't know... Uh, don't necessarily know where you're aiming for all the time. That's right. Which is which was kind of fun. So, uh, yeah, I like this one. I could see I could see us playing this one again. Again, more players probably would have been helpful. Yeah, that would have been nice. Um, get a little bit more action going. The game would have taken a little bit longer. And uh, you know, <laughs> when you died, I could have continued playing. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I believe this one is two to six players. So yes. you need two people. There's no solitaire version of this one. That's right. Okay. So overall, I'd say comic version was a little bit better. Yep. A little bit more fun, a little more open, more involved. And a little, to me, I haven't played a ton of board games, but it was a little bit less like a standard board game. Well, yeah, it's not this like was, Trivial Pursuit or, or Sorry, where you're just trying to get around the board or, you know, shoots and ladders. Yeah. It's like, oh, now I got to go all the way back here. And, oh, now I'm a zombie. <laughs> and I got to fight you and I get to go through sewer pipes. Yes, it stuff. wasn't like Candyland. which I've played a lot of. Nothing is, really. No, that's true. Um, So any other thoughts on these these board games? I I say buy the comic version. Yeah, I would say buy the comic version. And get six people together and play it, and uh, you'll, you'll, you'll have a pretty good time. So uh, what about the quality of the game? It's like the pieces and the board and stuff. So uh, if we look at the, um, the TV version, the, the actual board was this rubber rollout mat. Mm-hmm. You remember that? And you could really smell the new ink off you of it. You could smell that rubber, that's you could for sure. smell the rubber and the ink and stuff. Yeah. Whereas the, uh, and it had, uh, it felt like, it wasn't, I don't think it was well put together. Like the cards didn't feel nice. The The board was kind of weird with this uh, rubber, you know, printed rubber thing. So you didn't like the smell of the rubber? That's not like, a good sign? And that's not a that's not a good thing for me. It's not okay. uh, enjoyable. Whereas the, uh, uh, the comic book game had this really nice, you know, fold out, 
uh, you know, thick cardboard kind of well-printed mm-hmm. uh, you know, playing surface. And then mm-hmm. you had all the, uh, the cards felt nicer, had better dice. I just thought it was, a, it was much better put together. Is that a good phrase? That's yeah. not a good phrase. The, the, the uh, well, the manufacturing quality was a little bit better, yeah. sort of like all the, um, all the little pieces that indicated when you were hurt, you have a little bandage icon that you put on your cards. Like they were all thick cardboard and yeah. like all that stuff tokens, was yeah. really nice. And I'll be honest with you, it was kind of more fun playing the comic characters just in general. Than, well, they had meaning because you know, they, they each had their uh, their strengths and weaknesses, right? And, like and, you play this character and you get this bonus. Yeah. Right? Whereas on the... Uh, uh, the TV game, he's just like, who cares who you are? You're just trying to get around this board before turning into a zombie. Yeah, it's true. So, it's true. So, I I, I think you're right. Uh, although I'm not so sure the smelly rubber is a bad thing. You you kind of like you like the outgassing of that new rubber uh, <laughs> outgassing. A lot of gas talk on this episode. <laughs> um, I'm one of those kids that used to kind of like the smell of a gas station when I was younger. So maybe oh, yeah. that has something to do with it. That's why you're like this. Yeah, it could be. It really could be. I don't know. You, you got a secret huffer in you. <laughs> yeah, but only I have to go to the gas station and just stand around to do it. You just do it at your gas tank. You don't have to go to a gas station. You open up the gas tank and you uh, you start huffing, man. Well, that was your idea. I've never even thought of doing that. I'm from the Sioux. I know what this stuff is. <sighs> yes, you are. <laughs> Small when, town Ontario people. Yeah, and when you uh, when you go around town and you see a guy that's Everybody knows as Donald the Glue Sniffer. You get to know this stuff. <laughs> um, that's not good for Donald. No, he was uh, when he was when he was huffing. He was a mess, but when he wasn't, the man was a machine. He could carry two cases of beer, two full pe- cases of twenty-four beer on his bike, <laughs> <laughs> like without a backpack or anything. No, he just put it on the handlebars and he would ride. <laughs> two of them. Two of them. Okay. The man was a machine, but when he, when he was huffing, he was a mess. Like he couldn't walk. <laughs> so lesson today is if you'd like to carry 48 beers on your bike, don't sniff gas. Glue. Glue. Or glue Sorry. or gas. Glue. Just don't huff anything, really. Yeah, all right. Work out a lot, though, because you're going to need that energy for riding that bike. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, if that's it for the Walking Dead board games, if you've got any thoughts or if you've tried them, uh, let us know. We want to know what you think because, um, you know, I think overall they were okay. Comic version was better, but I'd yeah. like to hear everyone's opinions. So, uh Give us a call or send an email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Next week on The Walking Dead. We are going to do a quick next week or next time on The Walking Dead rundown here. um, Because last night during the finale, I think, of... uh, What's that other show? Hell on Wheels. Hell on Wheels. Yeah. They put out a new sneak peek at uh, Nebraska. They first did. episode coming back. Yes, they did. I'm not going to play it because there was nothing of interest in the, any of the audio or the dialogue. <clears throat> but I'm going to describe it to you. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> Doesn't it? So it was released last night. It has Rick and Herschel in a bar having a drink, which is kind of weird. I guess they that go somewhere. Nebraska. Yep. Um, when all of a sudden, two guys walk in. One of them says, son of a bitch, they're alive. And then that's it. Huh. So there's two dudes, and I got a good look at them, and then I went over to IMDb, and I looked up this episode, and uh, we reported on this a long time ago, that we've got a couple of characters listed, one uh, whose name is Tony, the character's name is Tony, played by Aaron Munoz, 
right. or Munoz, if you remember. And the other one, the character's name, Hasla. Hasla, yeah. <laughs> Played by Andrei Bachenko, <clears throat> who is a Russian actor. So um, there is a picture on IMDb of Aaron Munoz, and he looks exactly like the guy who's in this clip. So it's right. definitely him. Okay. Um, the other dude, there's no picture on IMDb of Andre Bachiko, Bachko, I don't know, B-A-T-Y-C-H-K-O, Bachko. There's no picture of him, so I wasn't sure. So I did a little digging. Right. Wait till you hear what I uncovered. Dig, dig, dig. <clears throat> I found his official website, bachko.ru, and he does, in fact, list The Walking Dead amongst his credits. The website's in Russian, right? but there are The, the Walking Dead is listed there. I could figure that out, and oh. there was a picture. Excellent. Um, and he also links to an article in Russia about his involvement on, sorry, in Russian about his involvement on the show. And me, being the genius I am, used Google Translate to uh, get the gist of the article. Right. And here's what it said, which is spoilery, everybody. Uh-oh. So uh, if you're worried about that, you know what to do. Spoilers for the episode of Nebraska coming up right now. From the article, it said... Thanks to the IMDb site, it became known that in the eighth episode of The Walking Dead, and I should mention that the uh, grammar here is not me, it's Google Translate. Right, which is fun. (laughs) Yes. In the eighth episode of The Walking Dead, shown in February, will be a new character with the strange name of Hustle, or Hustla. Hustla. And it will play a Russian actor, Andrei Bachenko. The role will be small. Andrew... (laughs) Andre will play a character who wants to join a group of survivors, but the events of the episode, he is surrounded by eight zombies. He and his patrons end up bitten. They may appear in future episodes, but as a walking corpse. So I'm going to say that (laughs) Hustla or Hustle and Tony are both eaten in this episode. They, so they show up and are immediately dispatched. There you go. Red shirts. Yeah, definitely red shirts. Um, yeah, so I don't know if that's been been reported anywhere else, but I had to use Google Translate to find that out. <laughs> oh, technology. <laughs> I know, exciting stuff. Um, and that's it. I don't know any more information about you know anything coming up after that, but uh, that's what we got there. If you want to see that clip, head over to the amctv.com Walking Dead site, and there is, uh, and you'll find it on there. Excellent. So there you go. I'm excited about that. Yeah, we're going to see some real live living people show up and say, hey, hey, we're so happy to be here, and then get eaten. Named Hustla. Yeah, Hustla. <laughs> Hustla. Um, that is going to do it for this episode of The Talking Dead. Um, I should remind everyone that our next podcast will be on January 30th, and it's going to be a prediction episode. So, Jason, you got to think up some predictions. And it oh, can't, I've got some predictions. It can't involve Tony or Hustla. No, nope. well, well, it can, but it, well, it can. It can't be that they're going to get eaten by zombies. Well, I think that uh, I think that Dwayne's going to be miles out for one. <laughs> you could predict that they don't get eaten by zombies, and that this information is incorrect. I could predict that. You could. So we're going to do a prediction episode. I'll come up with some stuff. Jason will. We're going to do our best to have friend of the show Dave on to talk a little bit about um, Stranger, and of course, fire out some crazy predictions because he's good at that sort of thing. Sure, sure. And we've got a few listener predictions who that have been sent in, but we want more. So if you want to have your email or your voicemail read or played on the show, 
please send in some predictions. And it can be anything. It doesn't have to be for se- the rest of season two. It can be for season eight if you want. There you go. It doesn't matter. Anything you think might happen on the on the show. Predict, predict, predict. Um, of all the people that send in a prediction, I'm going to randomly choose one to send a prize to. There you go. So, that sounds uh, nice. Uh, you know, <clears throat> I haven't decided on what the prize is going to be, but it could we be got, a poster. We got some stuff kicking around here. We got some stuff, exactly. Could be a poster, could be a Walking Dead um, shoulder bag. Yep. Could be a, a, a Walking Dead Brent Dale hat. I don't know. Could be any of these things. Which but, doubles uh, as a Gilligan's hat. Yes, that's right. It's Gilligan slash Dale hat. That's so, right. So um, send in your predictions, and everyone who does, I'll put them all in a hat, pull one out, and... We'll send uh, we'll send you something. It'll be good, like everything around here. Everything around here is good. <laughs> there you go. So um, that's exciting. And after that, we'll be back uh, for episode eight to recap and do our one of our regular episodes. That sounds fantastic. Be very exciting. So we're looking forward to that. In the meantime, everyone, if you want to contact us, please give us a call at one eight six six four eight three Z O M B. That's 9662. It's our voicemail line. You can leave your thoughts and comments there. You can email us at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Talking Dead. To be honest, that's not all that active a Twitter account. Much more exciting is our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. Lots of people seem to be hanging around there and chatting and asking questions and so on. So there you go. Um, head over there and do that. I try to get on as often as I can and just uh, see what people are saying and respond when necessary. I kind of took some time off over the last few weeks, but, uh, you know, what can you do? There you go. So uh, by all means, contact us and um, everything will be hunky-dory. Hungry and or Dory. <laughs> one, of the, one of the two. <laughs> That's right. All right. Uh, so my name is Chris. My name is still Jason. And thank you for listening. Until next time, have a great week and send in your predictions. Bye. <laughs>